Ah, chums, chums, the dreaming spires of Oxford, the beautiful city in which we all live. Well, all of us apart from Andrew, of course. No, I'll show the damn self. You don't live in Oxford. Well, I used to live in Oxford. I, I live close to Oxford. You never lived in Oxford in your life. Well, no, I haven't. You've lived close to Oxford. Okay, well, I, you know. <laughs> I am the only one who lives in Oxford. The lies have been exposed after all this time. Smashing Security, Episode 304, Oxford Dating Disaster, Cheap Security Robots, and Faking a Suicide, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 304. My name's Graham Cluley. Happy New Year, I'm Carol Terrio. Happy New Year, Carol, and Happy New Year to our special guest this week, who's joined us. He hasn't been on the show for a while. It is Host Unknown's Andrew Agnes. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Happy New Year. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the show. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's so much more fun here, isn't it, than other places? <laughs> I think we've got to the point now where it's a bit weird to say Happy New Year. Oh, uh, yeah, it's our first show of the season. Get over it. Okay. Yeah, so I actually meant the Chinese New Year. So we've not had that yet. That's 22nd of uh, January. We're good for another couple of weeks. Very thoughtful. Before we kick off, let's thank this week's sponsors, Bitwarden, Zoho Pam 360, and Nord Lair. It's their support that helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? Oh, I'm going to be talking about an Oxford student dating site, which has got itself into a bit of a pickle. Ooh, I didn't know you hung out on those, uh, those sites. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? I am going to be talking about autonomous security robots working for less than minimum wage. And I'm going to be telling a tale of crazy social engineering, or is it? All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Ah, chums, chums, the dreaming spires of Oxford, the beautiful city in which we all live. Well, all of us apart from Andrew, of course. No, I'll show the damn self. You don't live in Oxford. Well, I used to live in Oxford. I, I live close to Oxford. You never lived in Oxford in your life. Well, no, I haven't. You've lived close to Oxford. Okay, well, I, you know. <laughs> I am the only one who lives in Oxford. The lies have been exposed after. I can see the dreamy spires if I walk a block. So there you well, go. if I drove for about 25 minutes, I could find myself <laughs> punting along the ISIS with a wind-up gramophone, drifting past the ancient colleges, having a game of crazy golf. It's a lovely place, isn't it, to nibble a cucumber sandwich. I have actually punted with my book group and read poetry, <laughs> eating oh. cucumber sandwiches while punting. There you go. There's nothing more Oxford than that, isn't it? It's a city of culture, a city of sophistication, a city of study and intellect and great thinking, genius minds. And it's also the city of Ox Shag. Ox Shag? Yeah, Ox Shag. Are you familiar with Ox Shag? No. Well, it's a website which has just popped up uh, last weekend. It um, poked its little head up and it promises to help overworked and undersexed students in Oxford <laughs> find, and I quote, bookworms with benefits, course mates to keep it casual with, nerds with no strings attached. So this is a new initiative to matchmake amongst Oxford University students. So if you want to swap the Bodleian Library for a hot bod, this is the place to go. Okay. So would you like to hear how it works? Yes. Of course. Okay. 
And do you have to be in Oxford to do it? Like, can you do like 40 miles from your location? Oh, bet you're jealous. (laughs) Bet you're jealous now, Andrew. (laughs) You have to be a member of Oxford University. Okay, I know a number of professors that work there. Check. Oh, all right. Okay, well, for just three of your British pounds, Mm -hmm. uh, it's about the cost of a pint in your junior common room, I expect. (laughs) About 1980. Yeah, okay. You can sign up for Oxshag. And be presented with a list of potential matches. Okay. So, now there's a good chance that you'll be able to find a student who you fancy on Oxshag because they've got a list of every single student at Oxford University. Shut up. And their email addresses. Shut up up this is maybe why i can't find the website <laughs> well, but is this as clever as it sounds because surely if you know the format for email addresses at the university and you've got the student exactly list, yeah, okay. it's probably first name dot double barreled surname isn't yeah, it it's at exactly. oxford university <laughs> and no but i'm guessing some students probably have their email address listed somewhere uh you know well, let me explain because it's not just students. For anyone feeling a little bit more adventurous, maybe you think, well, maybe I could improve my uh, grades. Maybe I'll uh, find myself a sexy tutor. Admin stuff. Even porters, college porters, you might be able to match yourself up with. In fact, you can find anyone and everyone with a University of Oxford email address on Oxshag, which means even university IT staff might have a slim chance of getting a little bit of bedroom action, or at least a little bit of well, a thumb. Yeah, there's a lot of people that work at Oxford, right? There's yes. like a number of yeah. colleges. There's people yeah. from catering staff to security staff to professors to... Absolutely, absolutely. This is the original Facebook idea, right? This is what Zuckerberg actually wanted Yes, when he first launched it, wasn't it? Because the Facebook, the Facebook when Zuckerberg yeah. created it, it, it was all about getting himself a date, wasn't yeah. it? Or, or sort of like a hot or not thing yeah. to sort of rate people. Based upon their photographs at his college. I don't college. think anyone would say he's hot. No offence, but... Well, that, that is quite offensive, Carl. Is it? We try not to be judgmental in 2023 on this podcast. There's someone for everyone, Carl. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Email me if you think he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> so what Oxshag realised is that people looking for love don't have any time to waste. They don't want to sign up for a service. No, 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 no. Why sign up for a service? Oxshag takes that away from you, that pressure of signing up for a dating site. They've decided that the owner should be on the individual to opt out instead. So everyone is up there on the list of potential shags. Yeah. Did they run into any EU regulation issues well, there, at all? There are, well, EU, do we worry about EU GDPR. anymore? GDPR, yes, we do. We've got control back, Carol. It doesn't matter we've what you <laughs> <we've... laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hand on the rudder, hands on the rudder. So, so Oxshag, they decided to use a university tool that allowed you to look up anyone's contact details. Yeah. And they just scooped it all up. They scooped up all the names and addresses and they plugged them into Oxshag. And their view is that because they're already public, uh, what's the problem? Yes. Exactly. And who cares if you're married with three children? Right. <laughs> yeah. Legitimate interest. <laughs> yeah. They say, well, look, you... You, you probably know who you would rather be doing it with in your filthiest fantasies. Our job is to bring those fantasies to life, be it a sexy tutor, a shredded gym crush, 
These are words. I'm just making noises. I don't know what these mean. Or even that one friend you've been too afraid to make a move on. We can make the magic happen. So what what their plan was, was that you can register your interest until February the 2nd and tell the site who you're interested in. You can pick anyone from the list. And then on Valentine's Day, they are going to send out the matches. And so people will get a message saying, so-and-so at the university is it? Well, they won't say who. They say someone at the university is interested in you. If you want to find out who. You have these things in common. Fox hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask, can I ask, is there any pictures of these people or is it just literally name and an email address? I think it's just name and email address because when you're a student, you're not that picky and quite right. All right. So you just go, oh, you know, I really want to shag a Pamela. That's what, yeah, I'm going to alt F on Pamela and uh, let's see what comes up. Okay. Okay. This is fun. So the chap who set up this website, his name is Ox Shagger. Um, I'm assuming that isn't his real name, but that's the name he's using in the media reports. (laughs) And to answer your question, Crow, he said, I didn't look into the intricacy. uh, Let me do it with an Oxford accent. Um, I, I, I didn't look into the intricacies of GDPR law when making Oxshag because all the information I used was available on the Oxford University God, website. I could have totally predicted this kid. Uh, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I've got a, I'm like an oracle. All right. So there's no privacy policy. There's no obvious way to remove yourself from the site. Um, and I wondered, what, what do you think of all this? Is this a good thing? Is this doing people a favour? How, how do you feel about it? Love it. Yeah, it's a great, great idea. They should do it all over the country. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, what a brilliant idea, because it's so intimidating. Is it? This is the question which I really have for you, right? Now, Andy, I know you've lost a lot of weight. I know that you're looking pretty shredded, pretty buff at the moment. Shredded. Now you know what it means. (laughs) No, I don't know. I used it earlier, didn't I? But so I'm imagining you sat in the office. Now, would you like a stream of people coming up to you in the office and saying, hey, Andy, do you uh, fancy going out for a drink sometime? I would absolutely love that. These are the good old days of the dot-com era where we had rare of the year competition. HR was in, like, you know, HR was in on it. They were, everyone came down the pub drinking and then all of a sudden, you know, the laws changed and it's like, you're not allowed to. God, yeah. women wanted rights. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was so crazy. So, yes, if, I mean, if these people are taking us back to You'd those days, count me in. You would love people to queue up because that's what I'm wondering is, is this actually better than it happening in real life? Is it less intimidating to get an unsolicited email saying someone's interested in you? Is but that wh- better? How are they interested in me? Is that how? How does that work? Right. So, so what? no, no. But on this thing is just a name and an email address. How do they know yeah. anything? <sighs> But, uh, Carol, because you go to Oxford University, so you see the porter, so you see oh. your tutor, so you see your fellow students. You think, And you know oh, their name re- is Pamela Jenkins, and then you right. go, yeah. right. I'll search for Pamela Jenkins. Now I have her email address, and I can exactly. stalk her. Yeah. I could actually. Or, or just send her a lovely message saying I'm interested in, you know, mingling. Why would I need to go through this website? Why wouldn't I just email directly if it showed all the email addresses? Well, because that can be a bit scary. Yeah. You only want you only want them to know that you're asking them if they log into the site and do a match. If they say, "Well, right. I'm interested in Crotaria," okay, okay, that's clever. Right? Yeah. Well, it's like Tinder. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. So some of the people I know that went to Oxford, they were you mm. know introverts. They wouldn't openly go out, and so this is why I think it's a great idea. 
Now, University of West England, they don't need any help in hooking up, so probably not suitable for them. Do you know, the Yellow Pages and the phone books, BT should have got in on this because they have everyone's contact details in all cities, so they could have done citywide Oxshag and gotten rid of the student requirement. And just done it, you know, citywide. Oh, I see. We should have this nationwide. You think? That's just right. Every- you could just be going. You could be going like uh, Pembroke Shag, London Shag, oh. Birmingham Shag. So Rishi Sunak, he wants to tax us more, <laughs> right? He would like some more money for. He could run a yeah. website which asks us to subscribe, yeah. and we can all have fun. And if he legalizes Mary Jane at the same time, people might think it's a good idea. <laughs> well, Oxshagger. He says that he says what could have been a fun event has now been ruined by the loud minority because the site it was briefly taken down due to complaints it was relaunched for a reduced fee of 1 pound and it since it seems to have now gone completely right so they've taken it down he says loosen up a bit have a laugh take life a bit less seriously I think those who are most against Oxshag are probably the most in need of it. Exactly. Yeah. Oxshagger, if you're <laughs> if you're listening, get in touch. I think it might be interesting to interview. Well, you. I think I think there's a serious point here though because you may have religious reasons why you don't want to participate in this. You may uh be a victim of domestic abuse or have been stalked well, in the past. Well, according to like you, this. it's all fine because if I don't want to participate, I just don't log into the site. Well, I, you still may not want those emails. I'm, I, I was just playing devil's advocate. Also, what if you're in a relationship and you receive one of these messages? That could cause a few problems. Could quite it? nice, actually. Oh, university relationship for fifteen years now. I'd be all right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind a little flirting. Yeah, get him to perk up a little exactly. bit. Maybe he'd raise his game, would he? Yeah. If he knew there's exactly. something else in the exactly. running. Exactly. Who knows who? Right. But. Anyway, the site has come down. Oxford University aren't very happy about it either. Um, and Branding issues. I think he's going to do just fine, Mr. Oxshagger. Think? He's going to have more time to think, dream up his next venture. I think we'll hear from him again. He may have a different name. He may have a different name. He may rethink that. Um, his name is probably Humphrey Oxshagger or Basil, isn't it? Or t- Tim. Tim, terribly nice, hey. but Oxshagger. That's very, uh, no, I don't. His name could be just Jeff. Oh, he'd go by Jeffrey, not Jeff. He might go <laughs> by Jeff. You guys have Oxford all wrong. I went to the University of West England. I want to know why Andy's slagging hey, it off. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Andy, what have you got for us this week? So CES 2023 was recently on in Las Vegas, and every year you see this cool tech and think either... That is really cool. Or you think, what is the point of that? Can you tell us a bit mm. about it? I've never been. See, yes. So this is in Las Vegas um, every year, the Consumer Electronics Show. It's all of the new tech that's coming out and how it's going to change the future. Um, this year, I was very particularly uh, interested in any sort of robots or anything to automate security or anything like that. So John Deere demonstrated this sort of robot planter. Um, as an example, so people no longer have to go out on their tractors. You know, you can actually just send the tractor out to plant stuff itself. Um, yes. But uh, my favourite thing that's all this year was something called parking. Um, so for anyone who's got like an electric car, you know how uh, they have this sort of range anxiety, you know, whether you do get to the car park, where there's a space you can park in and charge your car. So there's this robot called parking that actually comes to any space in the car park. So you can park anywhere in you know, supermarket or whatever, um, and it will come right. to you and just charge wherever you park. 
um, rather than you needing particular spaces to be free. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, so I was looking for anything sort of security or anything. You know, that's, I love that type of area. And, um, but in my searches, I did come across this story about a robot security guard, which um, suddenly became unemployed after Christmas. Um, now, obviously, terrible time of year to lose a job anyway, but you know, so my attention was more on the fact that this was a robot that was actively employed to do security. <laughs> and so right. this particular article is about a California... Um, utility company called Pacific Gas and Electric, or more commonly known as PG&E. And they started trialing these autonomous security robots, or ASRs, uh, in December. And this was after the fallout from the San Francisco Police Department debacle. Mm. And so the San Francisco Police were authorized to use robots to deal with certain situations. And um, yes. they sort of freaked people out when they tried to reassure them that the robot would not be authorized to carry <laughs> firearms um, only explosives. Um, oh, you know, so much better. <laughs> obviously, most people were okay with that. Now, of course, there was a small minority, much like Bob Shagger. Uh, you know, a small minority of you know people <laughs> managed to you know cause SFPD to backtrack on these plans um, for now. But you know, they're still authorized to do it. So anyway, I am all for innovation because I love new tech. Wholeheartedly think we need to go through these sort of trials to get something out that works. Um, but what I didn't realize was how long these ASRs have been out in use in the wild. Okay, so right. this ASR mm. that was let go by PG&E, um, you know, after Christmas, obviously very sad. California's in that will state, so it's not getting any severance pay, but, you know, I wanted to know what its prospects were. Well, so, hang on. So, do, do, Andy, you're talking about a robot security guard <laughs> yeah. here, right? So, this is- Nobody, I think the point is, the point is, is you can see why employers will prefer them because they don't have to shell out. Yeah, exactly. Right? They don't have to shell out retirement fees and health care right. or anything. Well, maybe they need a little WD-40. You know, yeah. yeah, don't get complaints. You can make it work overtime, all this kind of stuff. So it's, mm-hmm. so it's actually a Californian company because, you know, of course, <laughs> of course, right, that is called Nightscope, which makes these, um, but they're not the groundbreaking tech that I thought they were. Okay. So these robots were actually first deployed back in 2015. So sort of seven, eight years ago. And yeah. Nightscope, they describe themselves as um, public safety innovators. And these robots are fully autonomous. They use self-driving technology, and they're designed to alert police. Um, you know, of security incidents. They've got sensors that can detect weapons. They can read number plates, um, and they can detect other kinds of suspicious activities, which they don't go into detail about. But I'm assuming some type of facial recognition. Um, and so that was in 2015. They first deployed. Okay, so by 2017, their clients included Microsoft. Uber, Juniper, LaGuardia Airport, NBC Universal. And obviously, it's not been, you know, all plain sailing over the years, as you can imagine with this type of tech. So back in 2016, one of the robots accidentally ran over a sort of 16-month-old child whilst it was patrolling. Sorry, I sense that you're laughing at this, Andy. You're finding this amusing. Oh, trial and error. This okay. is... <laughs> I don't think it hurt the child. I'm sure it wasn't going at top speed. It was just the kid's foot. So, yeah, not the it's, end of the world. <laughs> sounds a bit like when the Peloton treadmill sucked up uh, an infant, if I remember correctly. Well, and... Yeah, but, you know, you live and learn, okay? It's only an issue if you don't learn. <laughs> It's, it's like self-driving cars that crash, okay? I'm looking at one right now, and they kind of look like a large... 
Dalek. <laughs> they look like large suppositories, actually. <laughs> like, a, like. like a nappy bin <laughs> with, or a, with a camera. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, well, they do look a bit like Daleks. Yes. They do, don't they? There's another incident where one actually accidentally drowned itself um, in a fountain when it was supposed to be patrolling the Washington Harbour. Um, it kind of went off track. But yeah, so. I'm, I- <laughs> I'm seeing one here being advertised on their website for the homeowner associations. Yes. You could have this thing in your street. So many use cases. Monitoring you going, pick up your litter. Your bins are out. Mm. You left them out longer than you Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. (laughs) Stop walking on the cracks in the pavement. What are you doing with that? (laughs) Wearing that loud shirt. (laughs) So so, the, the four models they've got. Okay, so starting with the K1. Uh, which is a stationary one. It's designed as a, a weapon scanner for entrances to buildings and things like that. Um, the K3 d- is designed to patrol indoors, so I'm assuming like shopping malls and things like that in the US. Um, the K5 is the one that goes outside and patrols areas, and they've got these sensors, like the, the Roombas that go around, and they know they build maps where they're allowed to go. Uh, and they've got a K7, which sounds like, you know, the the daddy of all. It's like an all-terrain version that's... Um, I see him can track someone down bounty hunter style. But it's- I really hope they've got a K9, which uh, tells you if you've left dog poop and not picked it up. It's got to be coming up soon, mate. <laughs> I mean, that's, but they charge an hourly rate of $7, uh, which is cheaper than a $16.99 minimum wage uh, in, in some states. Uh, and as you say, obviously, they don't you know, call in sick. They don't need bathroom breaks. They don't have family emergencies. Well... Not yet they don't. Not yet they don't have family emergencies or have to take the... I mean, you know, with the advancement of AI, it's only going to take a certain while before these robots start demanding union rights. <laughs> yeah, unless the government changes the rules and, you know, ensures a minimum service requirement, then, you know, which could happen. And so, so security guards go on strike and these robots get to buoy in their place for uh, half the cost. How soon before they have tasers and, you know, Big, yeah. kind of things? Yeah, I mean, so we're only in the second week of this new year <laughs> and they've already signed four new contracts to deploy these ASRs to various clients. So, you know, this stuff started in 2015, four new contracts already this year, and I'm sure that these things are not things that you buy off the shelf. <laughs> you know I, mean? I wonder no. what happens. Like if someone kind of suddenly jumps jumps out, you know, somehow misses the sensors and spray paints like every 15, like all 15 <laughs> video sensors on it or, or drops a bag from a great height on top of it. Yeah. Right? Um, do they all come running? Do, do Does it call its its peers and they all kind trundling, of... No, trundling. Hopefully sure. that's where the K7 all-terrain one comes out. That would be like, you know, the enforcer model. <laughs> Call your big brother, so thank you. Carole, what have you got for us this week? Well, we are entering the world of self-publishing. I mean, it's got to be hard, right? Publishing with an agent and a publisher is hard enough. I've heard like from various authors how they not only have to write the book, but they have to do much of the marketing activity yeah. as well and yeah. flog it and everything. But if you write and publish your own stuff, you've got to be either like super talented, savvy, lucky to get a glut of readers, right? Oh, yeah. I think it'd be hard, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You Didn't you once help someone to self-publish a book? <sighs> yes, I did, Carol. Yes. What was what was that book again? I can't remember. What was it? It was written by my father-in-law. It was arguments as to why Britain should leave the European Union. That's oh, right. He had written. Oh, oh, oh. 
And how did that go? Did you sell out? I think he sold about 30 or 40 copies in the end. But I, I was, I, I, he needed some technical assistance. He self-published via Amazon. Um, he'd made this perhaps um, short-sighted decision to originally write the book, not in Microsoft Word or um, a word processor, but instead to write it in PowerPoint. Um, <laughs> and so every time he edited page, um, every, every subsequent page had to be sort of shifted along a little bit. It's, it's, it's not the way I'd recommend writing a book, and it, it's particularly not very helpful if you're the one who's been asked to um, produce it in a form which Amazon will accept, because they don't take PowerPoint slides. <laughs> Plus, of course, it was about reasons why we should do Brexit, which was a bloody idiotic thing to do. Um, and somehow you offered your services. Well, I'm just a kind person. Um, we thank you. We thank well, you. Well, don't thank me, because, um, of course... You know, maybe it did actually tip the balance so that we did actually vote for Brexit as a country, which <laughs> those thirty votes did it. Yeah, I think yeah, those thirty votes did it. Possibly they did. <laughs> so yes, let's move on, shall we? Yeah, sure. Thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> I didn't. I I asked. You talked. Well, uh, what can I say? Well, thanks for Tennessee-based self-published author Susan Meachin mm. weren't going so well. She seems to be a specialist in what some have called paranormal bully romance. What? Paranormal bully? So, look, sort of grumpy ghosts who want to stay <laughs> Or bully you, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I haven't read it. Anywho. Is this something that is just completely unprovable? <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I say specialist, I mean like she's a self-published author and specializes in writing books about paranormal bully romance. So, anywho, anywho, I digress. So, Miss Meachin also had a, a group she founded on Facebook. Mm. And in September 2020, a post appeared. And uh, it told the followers that it wasn't Susan, but her daughter – writing and that she was announcing that her mom Susan Meachin had committed suicide oh following bullying and harassment from members in the book community and this is a big deal right it, the whole group is like shocked mm. and a month later uh, in October 2020 this is all according to Rolling Stone a new post was shared on the account clarifying that her mom obviously was no longer in charge of the account sorry thought everyone on this page knew that my mom passed away mm. she she writes mm. And she further clarifies, dead people don't post on social media. I've been on this account for a week, now finishing her last book. You say dead people don't post on social media, but I follow a number of dead musicians online. So I, I follow like John Lennon and George Harrison and <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. They still seem to produce posts on, on Instagram and places like that all the time. So, so she's gone. She's gone. So she's gone. Her daughter's still working on the final book. And then there was another post, okay? And it requested that the account, Susan Meachin account, should not be reported to Facebook because Facebook would probably discontinue it as she's passed. Oh, okay. And the reason for this is would it allow the account administrators to focus on dispersing the late author's remaining inventory throughout audiobook giveaways and in the aid to help her complete her final novel. And there was a lot of work. So the daughter sought out volunteers on the group. Mm. Right? To help put the book together, edit, and promote it. Mm -hmm. That sounds fair enough. And yeah, right. And there was a fellow author, Samantha Cole, said how um, 
how uh, the daughter wrote about how horrid the book world had been to Susan. And she writes, quote, apparently they wanted to honor their mother's memory by publishing the last book she wrote, which they did. Okay, so the fans and volunteers dedicated to the self-published author pulled together an anthology called Bully King, a collection of her stories. I'm so fascinated by this whole concept now of paranormal bully romance. I know, I know. (laughs) I was going to open this story with an excerpt of one of her books, right? I thought that'd be the way to do it, and I Mm. just couldn't get there in time. So, Mm. uh, um, And inside the book, okay, this book, this collection that they put together, the dedication reads, The world is a little less bright without her. Words can hurt, but they don't have to. Words can also heal. Let's keep bullying where it belongs. In fiction. Okay? Right. Now, by <laughs> January 2021, this is three months after the initial suicide announcement, yeah. Susan's daughter revealed that the page views and sales had basically reached zero. And she posted an announcement saying the account would be going back to a private page for memories only. Okay. Okay. Right. And occasionally fundraisers uh, benefiting nonprofits like American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline appeared on the profile. But other than that, the page went dark. Mm-hmm. And that should be the end of that. Mm. Yeah. Except, mm. except that Susan Meachin is not dead. Oh. <laughs> More than two years after the announcement, the suicide announcement, Meachin has decided that she wants her life back and returned to Facebook to reveal, ta I was never dead in the first place. <laughs> I'm here, guys. Stop crying. I'm right here. Right? Right. Okay. Quote, she Weird. writes, I debated on how to do this a million times and still not sure if it's right to do so. She wrote uh, in her back from the dead to the Facebook group on January 2nd. And I imagine she was welcomed back with open arms by everyone. (laughs) And everyone said, oh, we're so happy. Exactly. (laughs) They're all like fusies. We thought you were a goner. It was really fun working on your book, volunteering all our free time to pull it together because you had apparently committed suicide. But yeah, so ACC Nightmare is kudos on Twitter for spotting that our author, Susan Meachin, had been on TikTok the entire time under her whole name. So she'd been posting TikTok videos. (laughs) Yes. And people hadn't noticed this. (laughs) <laughs> another another person on Twitter rep- re- like reported that one of her book rankings on Kindle jumped from place, like this is positions on Kindle store. So at first it was 267,000th and it went up to 82,000th. So a huge jump. Big jump. On the paranormal bullying romance chart, I imagine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so she sold more books because people were... I don't know, memorializing or thinking, oh, I'll buy her last book and support her family. And But she wasn't actually dead. She wasn't actually dead. So I guess my question to you guys is, how bad of a crime is this? Like, so she faked her own death and, and then tried to profit from that. Somehow, somehow. she. There's lots of fighting so, as uh, to who did it. My sister, yeah. not my sister, blah, blah, blah. You know, but. Yeah. So uh, this is really tricky. Obviously, every, anything I say will be immortalized and it's going to be like, oh, God, you thought this. Um, but this, to, you know, so, you know, those people that sort of pretend their kids are sick and not yes. shave their hair and stuff like that. This strikes me as that type of Like person. Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so that's where it's, uh, you know, it's an illness. And so you can't, you know, fault the person for doing it. But that's what this strikes me as that sort of There vibe. might be some sort of mental health element to this, perhaps. 
Yeah. It's rather distaste. I mean, if you're going to die, it's uh, if you're going to fake your death, it's rather distasteful, I think, to claim suicide as opposed to died in your sleep or something or fell off a roller coaster. I don't know. But I mean, it just it just feels that feels quite wrong to me. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like, as Andrew says, if this is a mental health issue, then I hope she gets help because this is very not cool. It's not cool to pretend that you're dead and it's not cool to be involved in somehow profiting from it and getting people to volunteer their time in honor of something that hasn't happened. But anyway, I just found a little excerpt from uh, one of her books. Shall I I end on that? Love to Last a Lifetime by Susan Meachin. I was born into wealth and prestige. There was nothing that I couldn't have, or so I thought. One night is all it took to change my world. We saw each other for the first time that autumn night. I was a young man at 25 years, and Greta had just turned 19. She was friends with my best friend's girlfriend. From that moment, my whole purpose in life was to go... <laughs> Sorry, are you having a stroke? What we, what's, what's <laughs> no, I just got bored. Oh, okay. I got okay. bored. Right. <laughs> I think we should just fade. Yeah, fade to black. Fade to black. <laughs> so there's probably a lot of smashing security listeners out there who might be concerned after hearing about the data breach which recently occurred at LastPass. Now, that allowed hackers to steal customers' password vaults, and unfortunately there were parts of those password vaults which were astonishingly unencrypted. There's no doubt a lot of questions users are going to ask LastPass about how that could have happened and why some of that data was left in that insecure state. But one password manager that isn't making that mistake is our sponsor, Bitwarden. Customers of Bitwarden know that their vaults are entirely end-to-end encrypted with zero-knowledge encryption, including, unlike LastPass, the URLs for the websites which you have saved passwords for. You can learn more about that in the Bitwarden Help Centre and at bitwarden.com slash privacy. And if you happen to be looking to switch password managers right now, well, Bitwarden makes it easy. They support importing from lots of other solutions, and there's even a LastPass migration guide available. Learn more at bitwarden.com slash migrate. That's bitwarden.com slash migrate. And stay safe. Did you know that misuse of privileged credentials is often the entry point into your network for attackers? And enterprises can combat these threats using an enterprise PAM solution like Zoho's Manage Engine PAM360. PAM360 is a fully functional privileged access management suite offering a holistic picture of all the privileged devices, users, and credentials in your IT infrastructure. It's easy to adopt and implement and has been recognized in the 2022 Gartner Magic Quadrant for privileged access management. No wonder it's trusted by more than 280,000 enterprises around the world. Get PAM360 to achieve world-class privileged access management capabilities without denting your IT budget. Learn more at smashingsecurity.com PAM360. And thank you to Zoho Pam 360 for sponsoring the show. Today's podcast is also brought to you by NordLayer. Now, NordLayer safeguards your company's network, but it's much more than just a VPN for business. 
As you already know, business networks today are more vulnerable than ever due to remote work, ransomware attacks, data leak incidents. Well, Nordlayer secures and protects remote workforces as well as business data, and it can even help you ensure security compliance. Simply go to nordlayer.com smashing and get one month free. Nordlayer is easy to start at. It takes less than 10 minutes to onboard your entire business on a secure network. Nordlayer is easy to combine as it's hardware-free and compatible with all major operating systems. And finally, Nordlayer is easy to scale as you can choose a plan unique to your business requirements and your rate of growth. So if you want to secure your business network, go to nordlayer.com smashing to get your first month free. And thanks to Nordlayer for supporting the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something like could be a funny story, a book that they read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website or an app, whatever they like. Doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security related because it was the Christmas break. My son was playing a number of video games, and one of the games which we stumbled across... You always pretend it's your son, Graham. Just, it's okay. We're okay with it. Just. Well, this is a rare example of a game that I've actually been capable of playing, and yeah. it is called Vampire Survivors. And okay. when you look at Vampire Survivors, you'll probably think, well, these, these graphics are rubbish. There's nothing fun here because it's all sort of pixely. It looks like it's from about 1990. It is a dirt cheap indie game. It sells for about £3 on the Steam store. And let me describe it because it's great fun, this. It says, you mow down thousands of night creatures and survive until dawn. Vampire Survivors is a gothic horror casual game with roguelite elements. And what happens is you have swarms of monsters coming around you. When I say monsters, little pixels coming towards you. <laughs> and what's brilliant about this game is, firstly, it's not in 3D. I can't play 3D games because I have I, I don't know which way is up, left or right, right? It's just 2D. I need 2D. Secondly, there's no fire button because I'm terrible oh. at aiming at things or firing in the right direction. So it constantly fires, and over time... You build up your weapons, you collect more weapons, and so you begin to fire in more extravagant ways and your your armaments become greater. But there's a never-ending horde of attacking creatures coming towards you, continuous waves of monsters, and you slowly build up uh, your collection of jewels and you can you upgrade yourself, upgrade your elements and evolve. It's really... Okay, level up. It's really good fun. Like every single computer game. No, not like every <laughs> single computer game. It's, it's Ars Technica called it their game of the year. Um, oh. It's a minimalistic indie game. It looks like it's rubbish. It's really addictive and fun. I played it on Steam uh, on the Mac, but you can also get it for Windows, Xbox. There's also a completely free version for Android and iOS. But I tried it on the iPhone, and it had touch controls, and I was awful at that because I don't have any coordination. So I couldn't, I couldn't really do it on iOS. But um, I found it very, very addictive, dangerously so. And so that is why Vampire Survivors is my pick of the week. I like the name. 
Well, you know... I'm not a gamer. I'm not a gamer. Well, I'm not actually much of a gamer either. (laughs) For someone who's not much of a gamer, you you play a lot of games. (laughs) No, I don't. My son plays a lot of games. I normally just just observe. But this is one where I actually joined in and had a a go because the controls were so simple, which appealed to my kind of brain. Andy, what's your pick of the week? So I have a fantastic pick of the week, or maybe one of the worst pick of the weeks you could possibly ever consider, <laughs> depending on where you uh, where you land on this. Uh, and it's a huge debate for me. So a friend uh, sent it to me. It's called Rewind.ai. Um, it's only available on Mac at the moment. So I take a lot of notes. Whenever I'm in meetings, I take notes. And, you know, whenever I hear something, if there's something interesting that comes up. When I left my last company, I had sort of, like 10 years worth of notes in notepad right because i always did simple notes and you know, every week i'd create a new yep. notepad and it was just but the electronic type right i've since migrated to one note uh, because it's easier to sort in that so imagine if you didn't have to take notes and your machine just did it all for you and i spoke to some of the the lawyers uh, where i work and they are horrified by this tech um, <laughs> so you install it on your mac and imagine yeah. Google, but for your for your life. So anything you've ever seen, said, or heard in the presence of your Mac has been recorded. So any Zoom call you've had, any Teams meeting, any website you've gone to, if anyone walks past your desk and has a conversation with you, all captured on your Mac, indexed, and then transcribed. And then, you know, you can have a conversation, think, you know, three weeks ago, who was it I spoke to about that? Who was it they said was that score? And then you just type in score. And, and then it will search every time that word's been mentioned or viewed or seen <laughs> on your machine. Andy, are you running this software at the moment while we record this podcast? <laughs> I am not running this software with, at the moment. With the conversation so... <laughs> we had before we officially started. <laughs> so, no, I don't have – I'm actually not using my Mac at the moment. Oh, so thank you can goodness. Pause it. You can switch it off. <laughs> Um, and so this is one of these things. I'm actually horrified and intrigued as well. So for oh. me, it would be about going back and pointing out when someone said something that they later denied they said. Tom Langford. Exactly. <laughs> I would say I've got receipts, right? I will prove when you said this and yeah, I'll prove that I was right. <laughs> I I wonder if you can, is there a button that says like monthly report and then it tells you like how much you talked about food, how much you swore, how much porn you watched? Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. It was on a beach. I signed up for it and um, it took a while till the, um, my signing came. So they launched in November, but I was really debating. So a friend uh, who sent it to me actually sent a video of what his typical day looks like. And it's a very condensed, sort of like a highlight reel. Um, and it scared me because, you know, you could see when his son walked in the room and he, he turned around to speak to him and stuff like that. <laughs> it's like all his Slack messages that he's going through, every what? single thing. Um, but obviously, yes, huge consent issues. <laughs> Is this it. information getting uploaded to the cloud? Is there, what what's they say it's they say it stays local. So everything stays local on your machine. Mm. What was that Charlie Brooker thing though? They had something like this where a couple had been recording oh, themselves yes. fighting and then had to go back and find all the tapes. You can imagine a couple not getting along. This would be obsessive. Well, especially if it's indexed. <laughs> Makes it much easier this to is search. Appalling. <laughs> 
Are you are, are you asking permission from the people who come into your room or who you have chats well, with? Well, so Rewind actually have a very useful article on their site that says, you know, the importance of consent. And they, they give you like the phrase you should say, hey, look, you know, I, <laughs> for my note taking purposes, would anyone have an issue with me recording this, uh, you know, using Rewind? Yeah, I'm looking at the website right now. I kind of like the idea of doing it during meetings when you have um, audio on, like coming in through your computer, because then everything is captured that anyone said in the meeting. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Mm, interesting. I have to think about this. No, I hate it. I hate Why? Because you're a big it. liar? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> at, at the moment, I'm able to rely on the, oh, no, you didn't say that. So I remember oh, yeah, perfectly. yeah. You totally, it totally has been working never. for you for the last 20 years. <laughs> totally. Never once have I questioned it. This sounds, it sounds awful. Interesting, I think the word is. <laughs> How much does it cost, Andy? So was it thirteen? I want to say thirty nine dollars a month. I can't remember. Uh, finance is not my strength. I, uh, <laughs> I sort of have a card that I use for online. It just auto stops up when it runs out. So, <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> wow. So we're not sure if that's a pick of the week or a um, a nitpick of the week. I don't. I do we like that or not? I don't know. I think our listeners should tell us. Do you like it? Do you not? Crow, what's your pick of the week? This is very difficult to do on audio. Oh. But there you go. So my pick of the week is an inflatable sofa slash lounger. I don't know. I got one for Crimbo uh, from my brother-in-law. It's produced by a company called Orson. And the thing is flipping amazing. Imagine you had a sleeping bag, quite a, a, a wide, a broad sleeping bag, you know, if you were a portly person, but inflated. And imagine two of those sewn together. So you kind of have a sofa type thing. And... It's easy to inflate because there's no pump or anything like that. You just little you do a little swoosh with the openings and the air gets trapped inside. Or you do it like my niece did and you take a hairdryer because she's lazy. <laughs> she used a hairdryer to fill it. And it has two channels that collect air. And then you compress it by rolling the opening over to tighten the whole sofa into place. And then it clicks into place. Like, a bit like those bags that you fold over the top, those rain bags. I don't know if you know those. I don't know what you're talking no about. No idea. Okay. Um, doesn't deflate. Okay. I had mine up uh, during my uh, New Year's Eve little soiree and people sat like three at a time. Some people dived on it or whatever. And it did not deflate. So it supports people. You don't sort of roll off it or anything. No, else. it's got like two, yeah, two channels. So you kind of either, you can sit in one and you can sit right inside it like a kind of, you can look it up, look it up. No pump required. Yeah, no pump required and it has like pockets and pegs. So if you're outside and it's a bit windy, you can peg it down so it doesn't take off when you get up and go get yourself a drink or whatever. And it deflates in less than two seconds because you just literally open it up and it just goes whoosh. And it comes, you can shove it, you fold it up and it's like a tiny, tiny little thing. Like it's maybe eight inches by eight inches by three. And so you can slap it in your backpack and bring it camping. And how thick is it? Like would it, would it uh, sort of, burst on some rocks or you know where there's some gravel you didn't see is it if you were sitting on knife shards uh you would probably would want a tarp underneath it it is inflated but it's it feels quality man it feels quality it's 40 bucks as well or 40 quid you can find on amazon you can go to orson i love it it's great the kids loved it it's great gaming chair that you can put away when people aren't there needing to game it's great tv chair great reading chair would it support the more corpulent gentleman, the more generously proportioned? Up to 440 pounds. Oh. 
So that's quite that's that's quite a lot. I think I think I think you'll be fine. More than me. I think you'll be fine. That's not point two tons. Let's just see. (laughs) I'll just uh, okay. I'll just about manage that. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's really it's great. Kids would love it. Teenagers would love it. You know, it's like an occasional chair, and they can put in their bedrooms. Anyway, check it out. Orson the inflatable sofa or lounger. Find it on Amazon or wherever you shop. Uh, it's great. And that's my pick of the week. Well, Carol, I expect to see this next time I'm round for a little drinky-poo in your back garden. Let's get it out. I can try it out. Yeah, I've had it out in the house. I've had it in the front room and everything. <laughs> well, on that note, we've just about wrapped up our first show of 2023. Andy, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Oh, the best way. So last time I was on, I actually gave out my number and was surprised when a few people actually uh, did message me. <laughs> Uh, which is surprising um, so I got rid of that number after uh, 15 years of having it um, <laughs> so uh, I think the best way you can get hold of me the only thing I still have alerts on uh, at the moment is Tumblr so you can reach me at uh, <laughs> Nymphosec uh, that's N-Y-P-H-O-S-E-C at Tumblr <laughs> oh, no. On your live journal blog, you can. <laughs> I am one hundred percent serious. I have two okay. two social media apps. I have TikTok and Tumblr. <laughs> uh, and I don't want people talking to me on TikTok. All right, you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter won't last to have a G. And we've also got a Mastodon account. So look for Smash Insecurity up there and don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode follow smashing security in your favorite podcast apps such as apple podcasts spotify and google podcasts and huge huge thank you to this episode sponsors bitwarden nordlair and zoho pam 360 and of course to our wonderful patreon community it's thanks to them all that this show is free for show notes sponsorship information guest lists and the entire back catalog of more than 303 episodes Check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Ah, lovely. much Andy really appreciate you coming on interesting topics and pick of the week no I absolutely love it it was really good no that that pick of the week is scary it's um, no, yeah. interesting though I don't know how they got funding 75 million dollars they're worth apparently well you know people fund Facebook and the like don't they so you know yeah but Facebook you're getting the data out of oh, it oh I right? suppose what are people suppose. getting out of this it's <laughs> Yeah, that's the scary thing. Yeah, of, but you just basically it's heroin. You get people addicted to this and change the terms. And yeah, change the terms, and uh, then you make a cloud version so you can access it anywhere on different devices. And you got yeah. them. You're hooked. Vampire survivors is very addictive. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Give that a shot. <laughs>